All right, so Arm of Flesh, uh, chapter 12. Um, all of a sudden, I, I lost my question that I was going to start off with. But um, so what does this look like? Because at, at one point, Avraham says, you know, this isn't just about human agreements and, and alliances and, and things. But what is idolatrous about the arm of flesh? Um, how can we trust in it too much? And, and what does that look like in our day and age? I mean, is this really a problem? Or uh, how do we identify it and, and see it in the world around us? Any thoughts? I have a few, always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, one of the things I do, I'm very independent and self-sufficient, self-reliant. And so I have a super hard time asking for help. Mm -hmm. And then I also... Like with my health, I think I've relied too much on the arm of the flesh to find all the ways to make me more healthy instead of relying more on the Lord. So like my plexus supplements is one of those. That's what I was taught this week <laughs> as I sit here and drink my pink drink. <laughs> uh, so you know, I did, when I did my fast last summer, though, you know, I have a lot of kidney stones all the time, but when I did that really big fast, I learned to rely on the Lord then and know that I can. It was hard. I'd rather you guys not because it's really bad. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's a couple of things that stick out to me. And isn't that interesting that that the Lord leads us through those uh, different things to to help us learn that one principle? And it's like the hardest principle to learn that He will protect and provide. And uh, the only thing that's required of us is to to keep our covenant and uh, to to love Him as as our covenantal husband. There, like, I don't know why is that such a hard lesson to learn. So we have to have great, great faith. Yeah. And we have to really put our, like, you know, physically what's going to happen if you don't do X, Y, Z. And, and sometimes it hurts and it's painful or whatever. And you have to just lay it all at his feet and say, okay, I'm going to be super obedient and super faithful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's hard. Yeah. Can anybody hear me? It's you sound really like quiet. really, really oh, far away. <laughs> Wait, any, I, one of my thoughts is that one of the reasons that is difficult for me is the immediacy of our senses, the immediacy of what we have around us. It feels so real that reaching towards heaven sometimes feels like um, it's not as real as what I'm experiencing around me. So definitely the immediacy of the senses can be a stumbling block for me. I get distracted with my experience. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because like, 
where where is the line of like fending for ourselves being able to be um not just <laughs> how do i describe this because the image in, in my head is just like a cat on a leash that you're just dragging on the ground right like get up and walk use your legs kind of a thing but like where where's the line in doing things for ourselves and then um relying upon um uh, christ and 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 god to to actually protect and provide for us kind of a thing because we don't want to be just like bumps on a log that uh are just lazy right but like right. like you were saying the immediate senses that that we're feeling are more real than sometimes our connection with that uh our, our bridegroom kind of a thing it's a it's a hard one to to really mm -hmm. define isn't it mm -hmm. yes yeah so um so yeah let's talk about like the uh the the treaties and alliance aspect of the arm of flesh um in what ways do we see that in the world around us currently and, and in the past um is nationalism a good thing uh, uh remembering um the past and, and looking forward to the future being able to build up alliances and, and treaties and kind of being a, a superpower. I, we don't have any of our uh, international people here, but <laughs> so we're going to kind of come at it from like a, a very myopic <laughs> United States perspective. But uh, it, this, this chapter was opening up a few more things to me that I was like, oh, maybe that's a little bit Babylonian-ish rather than, um, you know, patriotism that we, we sometimes kind of think of. So what, what are your thoughts on, um, on that uh coming from a a group or a nation kind of perspective i see it um probably not as a good thing because when you make those treaties and alliances it leaves out some of the people like the poorer nations and they don't get to benefit from from that and i i just see that as and a Gadiant and robber type stuff, you know, the secret combinations, just knitting and weaving in harder. And then as, as you get studying that kind of stuff, you can see it is really layered in crazy. Like it's, it's going to be hard to ever break it until our savior comes back, I think. Mm -hmm. it, it seems like, um, you know, looking at the Israelites and stuff, God was pretty adamant about them being their own nation, you know? So I, I, I think that is a big clue as to what, I don't know. It seems like it would, it, it's a clue to, to what God would do, you know, have that, that nation separate. And I mean, that's his thing is like, stop reaching to other nations stop making these packs and whatever and it seems like it turns us away from him you know like each nation could turn their hearts to him um but yeah instead it just seems like you know like tracy's saying leaving out the poor nations but not only that but it seems like even when they do claim to you know these 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 groups, the UN, whatever you want to call it, like they are oppressing 
the the poor nations. They're taking advantage of them. Well, on the other hand, saying that they're helping, right? Like they they keep them subservient. They keep them in that need, and they you know they rob them of their resources. So, anyways, mm-hmm. yeah, the bigger countries that have all the resources, like Israel's so little. How how do they have the vast resources that are in North America and South America? They just don't. They have to. They have, everybody needs help. I'll have to consecrate and share. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the things, too, if you look at history, treaties can be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Back just as, I'm just recently, not recent, but in historically recent, World War II, where England's prime minister made all sorts of supposedly favorable agreements with Hitler. They were led led down the primrose path and completely unprepared for the deceptions that followed. And, you know, people's lives were literally torn to pieces because of these false beliefs and false dealings due to treaties and agreements. They were not pure. Mm -hmm. They were not the good of the people and the lord wants to look after the good of his people treaties often do not serve the people yeah somebody makes a lot of money (laughs) (laughs) but it's not the ones that need it so isn't that interesting that we have kind of a, a scriptural precedent throughout um all of the the old testament and and some of the new that the Egypt plays a huge role in the escaping or the treaties and, and different things, right? That um, every time that <laughs> it kind of goes uh, awry, that the Egypt needs <laughs> a, a, a needed shelter or a, a, a refuge from the storm. But yet, in the end, when uh, we're talking about the end time Egypt that it actually turns its back and doesn't provide the assistance that it uh, historically has provided for um, no. people kind of a thing. There's just some other people getting rich off of it all. Mm-hmm. Sad. Yeah. Evil. And so uh, kind of the, the type that um, with the Israelites coming out of bondage, you know, that they uh, Egypt wasn't providing for them in the way that they're ancestors uh, joseph uh, and uh, all of israel um, had but it it turned its back and they had to escape the bondage and like the the latter day exodus that that will take place that i I, (laughs) you know we have these scriptural precedents these prophecies and things that that egypt will again turn its back on on covenant people and and persecute them and and not provide the um the treaties, alliances, and, and all of that kind of stuff. But how do we how do we navigate that in our current environment where um I'm having a hard time like getting this question kind of like formulated, but like we are very patriotic. We 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 love the United States, we are the kind of police of the world kind of a thing, and and sometimes we get a little bit myopic in that. And uh, realizing that 
our country's leadership and its constitutional loyalty is not where it was prior. So how do we navigate that? And um, uh, let's see, that's my question. How do we, yeah, how do we navigate that as a covenant keeping people? How can we guard ourselves against the idolatrous uh, the idolatry behind it versus the actual patriotism of our, our former generations and, and the freedoms that um, this land and, and resources can provide to, to others. Does that make sense? I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I think so. And I, I think like for, for me, it's like, it's switching from, well, one, it's, it's recognizing <laughs> our mistakes and our, you know, really, like, I, I think a lot of the patriotism over, like, is, is, is pride, is coming from this, like, pride, because we're, we're big, and we're strong, and we're, you know, we're this, and, and it loses sight of, it loses sight that this is a covenant land, Jehovah is our God, not you know like it's almost like we start worshiping the country and forget the purpose of the country and um yeah i i just think it's it's getting back to humility and and gratitude for sure for the blessings of this land that we've been given and the freedoms and recognizing that aspect of it but but we have we have totally rejected jehovah you know, and now it's just this, now the patriotism that you see is just this pride of like, nobody can mess with us because we are so strong and whatever, you know, it's not because of God anyways. So yeah, for me, it's like focusing on that and, and studying the covenants, you know, I just think that helps us to recognize what people God wants us to be and so that he can bless the country and stuff so yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> i see it as an opportunity because uh as our country loses its grace and its power that it has been given through the lord and through his protection of it it gives us an opportunity personally to rely upon the lord more to to re-consecrate and to re-consecrate ourselves to him and to build our capacity to bear his light individually into the world and to those around us so that we're not possibly not able to depend upon the country and lean on the country and its supposed goodness as much as we were able to in the, in the past. So I see it as an opportunity to personally reconsecrate. Mm -hmm. I love that. So it it brings up a, a thing that I was studying yesterday. So hopefully this doesn't like take us too far off the path. <laughs> but um, uh, any of you in in our Hebrew group and stuff would know that like this idea of the manner of the Jews and and a Kabbalistic perspective on. Um, on life in general. This video really spoke out to me. I shared it with my mom yesterday, but it, it seemed to kind of fit in here. So I want to share just like a little clip of it. Um, 
but hopefully it makes sense. <laughs> if it's too weird, don't, don't worry about it. But um, what this video is like, what is Kabbalah? Why is it important? And so it's basically like, why, why keep the commandments is basically what this is. And the reason it is important is because we live in a world where the physical seems to be the ultimate reality. I look around, I see tables, I see chairs, I see cars, I see computers. But what Kabbalah teaches you is, Kabbalah teaches you that there's a reality beyond the reality. That the things that you think are so real and so significant are simply masks, veils, curtains for an underlying reality in which everything becomes unified in the ultimate presence of God. And that's a tremendously important idea because number one, that obliter obliterates the separations between people. I look at you and you're different than me. You have a different body and I look at you as different and therefore I can maybe not care about you as much. But if Kabbalah teaches that everything is a mask for a higher reality in which everything is unified in God, then quite literally, when the Torah says, I, I should love my friend or my neighbor the way I love myself, it actually means I love my neighbor because he is myself. He is me. We are all rooted in the totality of the divine. So Kabbalah educates a person to understand that what looks like, what looks like disunity, what looks like separation, is all an illusion as everything is ultimately united. Kabbalah also is a very important uh, lesson in the fact that we matter to God and we matter in the world. Uh, for example, let me give you let me just give you an example of how Kabbalah changes your perception. We know that God gives us mitzvot, and we know that God says in the Torah, if you do the commandments, you'll get rewarded. If you don't do the commandments, uh, there may be a punishment. Now, when I read those verses, it seems to be just about me as a private individual. I do good, I get something good. I do bad, I get something bad. Kabbalah brings a whole different orientation. Kabbalah basically says, when you do good, you affect, because of the oneness that you have, you affect the entire spiritual structure of the cosmos. When we do bad, we wipe things out. It's not just about me. That's kind of an egotistical idea. Oh, I do mitzvahs because I get a good deal out of it. I don't sin because I don't want to get a bad deal out of it. Now, that's fine. If a person is motivated that way, that's much, much better than nothing. Absolutely so. But Kabbalah gives us a whole different understanding. We affect the world, not just the world, the universe, the multiverse, for good or for bad. We make a difference. We are important to God. On some level, although this needs a lot more explanation, God needs us to create the type of world that he intended to create. So that's enormously important because that tells me I have a role, I have a purpose. And as one studies Kabbalah, one understands the mechanisms of how that works. So, I mean, there's more to it in different parts to that that series there but uh, just like lisa was saying that we're actually 11 to the to the loaf right that 
what we do matters. And if we keep the commandments, it doesn't just affect us. It affects everything around us. And I think a lot of our problem is in our uh, our world problem and even a national problem. You can put it on whatever level you want, but that we've kind of disconnected ourselves from each other saying, oh, what I do is my truth and my I'm only affecting myself kind of a thing. But really, the the whole thing is being affected. And so um, an important part of what he said there was that God needs us to be co-creators with him and create the the intended purpose of his creation, uh, which is to create Zion and to to bring all things together in one. And and it was just, I don't know, it it's kind of blown my mind at this specific chapter, the arm of flesh, how we rely so much on our own <laughs> prowess, on our own strength, on our own abilities to prepare that we forget to we forget the oneness that that we should be um having as the bride of of our savior kind of a thing i don't know does that make sense i i might just be totally rambling in, in random uh things oh, no, but... it, it makes sense i can see well like it goes back to building zion you know in in doing all of that and as you've been scaling back all of the groups, I can see that's what your purpose is. And I, okay, I've got to step up and do what Cameron and Darlene and Terry are doing, building Zion right where you are with these exact, you know, these exact things we're talking about. So, yeah, it does yeah. make sense. That was, yeah, that's incredible. I love that thought um, that, that he shared. Do more. <laughs> Not doing enough. Can anybody hear me? Uh, hear you better. Oh, good, because I just switched on the video and I thought, I hope it didn't mess up with the sound for some reason. My a little odd this morning. But um, now it's time to confess. I actually took a year to study with a Kabbalist. Oh, cool. So, heard this man that, that Cameron just spoke and go, oh, I guess I'm a Kabbalist because I believe all of that. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that they taught, which I thought was very interesting, goes back to the power of the word, which is to be so careful about how you speak, because every word creates and that vibration goes out and out and out into the, I'm just going to call it the field because I don't know what to call it, how we affect everything, what we do for good and what we do for not good contributes to the whole. But even every word that we speak goes on and on and on. And I thought either raises or lowers that Schumann resonance. Have you guys ever seen that? Yes. The pictures of it? Like the picture of it um, over the Easter weekend, it was through the roof. It was awesome. <laughs> that Easter week, that whole Holy Week, I felt the, you know, I talked in the beginning about the of the senses, which he's, he talked about languages, tables, chairs. 
I felt like I was so taken away from the immediacy of the physical world. I felt mm-hmm. like being an experiencing spirit that whole week. It was such a divine gift for me. There was something about that week. It was so off the charts for me. Personally. But the other thing I was thinking about that disconnect that Cameron was talking about, how people are not really living a Zion life. They're not, we're not here supporting one another in our growth as souls on this planet. I was thinking about the internet and how wonderful it is, but also even though people feel like they're connecting with their text messages and their sound bites and their, you know, posts and stuff, there's really a lot of disconnect going on where people, instead of coming together, are actually polarizing or they're getting into contention and anger. So the internet is not the way to connect. I think that that invisible reality that we are, you know, wanting to pull heaven down and build Zion, that is how we will connect. Even, even we have to do it right, right where our little valley right, is. Right here, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> it begins with us each individually yeah. that reminds me of the just the beatitudes come to mind when you're speaking lisa just how i mean that's exactly what christ is inviting us to live i don't know it just ties so beautifully together mm-hmm. I'm so yeah glad there's video i hope you'll give us the link to the the video that I just shared, yeah. Let me. Did you all see that President Nelson got the Gandhi King Mandela Peace Prize? No, he did, and he um, where they were, I think it was somewhere on the East Coast, maybe Atlanta. I can't remember, but as they were speaking, they kept referring to him as Prophet, Prophet, Prophet. It was really cool. I. I think I read that in the church news links. If you want to go look those up, it was really, really neat. And sharing some of President Nelson's really cool experiences of being a surgeon and being guided by divine revelation on how to do his surgeries and stuff. But anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. Just in the times we're in, you know, that little light shining for us all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially for our religion, you know, because it's going to really come under attack. I was yeah. reading, been reading Third Nephi all week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. Like I let it play all night long, and I'm like, okay. When I'm asleep, it better be still going in. <laughs> yep. I wake up at the in the morning and I'm through the Book of Mormon. <laughs> that was great. That was fast. Yeah, you can outdo a sleep from third Nephi on. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh yeah, I know. I thought I would just make you giggle. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. do you sleep you with third Nephi playing somehow while you sleep? What'd you say? I was 
sleep or are you just saturating yourself and then sleeping on that? No, I just, I start listening to something and then I fall asleep and my phone just keeps playing it. Okay. <laughs> what were you going to say, Jennifer? Well, I was going to say that um, I think sometimes the danger about these groups, like the UN, the, you know, any alliance we have is we see them as solving the problems for for us, or if there's a problem in the world, we think, oh, you know, not that we shouldn't send money to groups. And I know our church, I mean, I, I know fast offerings and, but even then I feel like, wait, what am I doing personally? I mean, I know sending, I mean, I do believe in fast offerings that helps so much. And I, I believe in helping, I bet, you know, organizations are very helpful, but the other day I was thinking, you know, what do you, what am I doing myself? Am I, am I responsibly taking care of, like you're saying, the things around me that I can, or am I leaving it to other people? And you don't know what they're doing. You don't know if they're actually helping. And it's kind of a tricky thing because we can't live everywhere and know everything. But I, I do think that sometimes these big organizations, they trick us, right? That's maybe they're not doing it on purpose. I kind of think sometimes they might. Um, not be handling the problems in a way that we think is a is is the way we would do it, and so it's tricky to find a way to get involved. And um, when they're so big, and they're like, well, "We've got this." Sorry, my dog is just loud. But anyway, I just it's a tricky balance between what can I do and not lean on the arm of flesh to solve the problems of the world around us. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. So like. It, it's interesting how, um, is it in this <laughs> chapter? I don't know. I've read so many things this morning that I can't quite place them, but like where, where we need to start off individually, start off with me and, and build Zion and then branch out and branch out kind of a thing. Because like you said, sometimes we get into such of a, a mindset or a habit of, oh, well, if we just fund the, the big organization they'll take care of it kind of a thing. And we disconnect ourselves from the, the one-on-one, -on -one, the Zion building and, and everything. That, that's such a great point because I, I find that we, as, as a world, as a nation, as, as a church, uh, we, that's the world we live in because we live in such a fast paced society, right? So it, it's much easier like, oh, well, if I can just write my check, then somebody will take care of it kind of a thing, right? Yeah. That also uh, separates us from the blessing of being able to actually serve. Mm -hmm. Remember one time my son and I, it was winter and we were doing a late night errand together and there was a man in a parking lot with his children who was not able to make his rent. That was during the lockdowns. Maybe he was out of work. I don't know his story. But it was such a blessing to be able to see my son give so generously to him. And I was only vicariously, but we both, our hearts were so edified and felt such goodness, such happiness in that being able to do that. So I think that the more that we can kind of be on the ground ministering to one another that's seeking out the one which is christ's way yeah love that um so kind of springboarding off of 
that sentiment. Uh, it reminds me of the, the last page here on, on page 50, where, um, I don't know, I'm just going to kind of read it because <laughs> um, it says that such an alternative is an intangible that scares people to death. Even when God brings upon them all kinds of extremities, many remain insensible to the cause. They can't relate current woes to their own actions. Although they exercise good intentions after suffering God's chastisements, they remain as prone as ever to trust in man before trusting in God. And so kind of along that, uh, that same line that, um, uh, like Jennifer was talking about there, that sometimes as we um, develop that mindset, uh, it's kind of a, a separation of not doing it personally, um, uh, like like Lisa was talking about, like you, you miss out on the personal blessings from personally ministering to somebody. Um, as we cause that separation, I think that we're very prone, especially as Latter-day Saints, to experience that, that sentence there. We can't relate to the current woes uh, to our own actions. Although we exercise good intentions, we remain as prone as ever to trust in man before trusting in God. And so I think that that's... Um, that one hit me like a ton of bricks this morning as, as I was reviewing this again and going, oh, that's where I need to, to really root that part of Babylon out of my own personal life. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not part of alliances and treaties and contracts with, with other nations, but um, here is, is one mindset that does need to be rooted out. And taking that that chasm, that distance between me and, and people around me and shortening that so that I can um, not trust others to, to take care, but that I am my brother's keeper. And uh, anyway, I, <laughs> it, it seems like such a simple thing, like, well, of course, but I have put a distance there that doesn't that, that shouldn't be, and, and I need to work it at uh, removing that sentiment and, and rooting that out of my life kind of a thing, so that we can experience the, um, the, the next part of that next paragraph. But when they exercise faith in the divine source for all good, when they cease to put man's counsel before God's, when they stop playing God by killing those who should live and keeping alive those who should die, when they truly make God their judge, lawgiver, king, then God extends his promise to them. Um, and so relying on God to um, provide for you so that you can lose yourself in the service of, of our fellow men kind of a thing. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's all distilling upon me and I'm going, oh, that's, that's where my issue is kind of a thing. Um, and I think it can and apply to us in, in lots of different ways, but um, that one was was really powerful to me this morning. Um, that that Zion principle and and shortening the the chasm that that I have put between me and and others, kind of a thing. Right, and then that separation that you're talking to, Cameron, when we're separating ourselves from these acts of service, of being on the ground and engaging as Christ did with with individual people. We separate ourselves from God. And that then that last uh, interesting sentence, in that day a remnant of Ephraim will find him a sure source of strength to repulse the attack at the gates. Yeah. 
That's a, that's powerful. So I, I, we kind of talked about it last week in this group, I think. I don't know. And it might have been like an after discussion, too. <laughs> I can't remember everything that uh, when things are said. But um, this whole principle of uh, turning the hearts of the children to the fathers, the fathers to the children, does that sound familiar? Um, so this has like been my study and my quest these these last couple of weeks uh, to really understand that, because DNC 98 is a very different take on that Malachi prophecy. And so I've just been like doing this deep dive of um what does it mean to to turn the hearts and taking a look at all of those different prophecies because that malachi prophecy is throughout all of our different canons of scripture right it's in the book of mormon it's in the new testament it's in old testament it's in uh doctrine and covenants pearl of great price but it's always different um it, it changes the wording sometimes and and it brings about a different aspect of that and DNC 98 is singular in that it's the only one that clarifies what it's meaning. And it says that, um, in other words, turning the hearts of the Jews to the prophets and the prophets to the Jews. And, and that one has just been like on my mind constantly lately. And something that, that we were talking about today has really sparked um, some interesting insights is that that verse at dnc 98 i think it's like 16 or 17 um is in a context of the missouri conflicts and the the disunity the arm of flesh that was happening um with the saints at the time and um so the the rest of the section 98 deals with kind of the law of justice and mercy um so if your brother smites you you're turn the other cheek but if he smites you two three times that it'll be a witness against them etc and you're justified in retaliating or defending yourself and um but if you if you choose to still not retaliate even though you're justified more blessed are ye because you're the peacemakers etc like this whole dnc 98 is a powerful thing on on the laws of justice and mercy within a zion society and yet there's this one little verse in there that, well, two verses that, that seem to kind of be just inserted in there because they didn't have another place for it, but it really does branch out to, um, to explain the whole thing. And it's that um, he says, renounce war, love peace, but don't forget your mission. Your mission is to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. That is the hearts of the Jews to the prophets and the prophets to the Jews. And um, as you take this, this weird deep dive into all of the footnotes on every single Malachi prophecy and everything, you'll come across Alma 32. The Alma 32 is kind of the uh, linchpin is, is, I hate that, that term, but it, it, the keystone, it's kind of the thing that holds the whole arch together. Alma 32 is the, the section that shows how to implement this, how to turn hearts, how to plant in the hearts the seed of faith. And, and that faith can, can work miracles. So, I, you know, not that I'm throwing out a pop quiz, but, but think about Alma 32. What is the context of Alma 32? Who is Alma talking to and, and what are they examining? Why is he even giving this sermon on the seed of faith? It's, it's him with the Zoramites 
who I mean, we're talking Ramiumtum that people are kicked out of their synagogues and they're they're the poor and needy that are ostracized from everything, and they don't know how to to cope with it. They're they're finding it, they're finding that they are much like the Jews, who are pushed out of their synagogues, the the diaspora. They're just they don't even have a home or a place to worship, and and they're they're beside themselves. But yet he goes. Do you suppose that you can only worship once a week? And, and do you suppose that you can only worship in a synagogue? And he says, Let, let's turn your hearts first. Plant in your hearts a seed of faith. And with that faith comes a spiritual creation by which you can then leaven the loaf and, and save your brethren. And, and it, anyway, it's just like this beautiful exposition that that ties and links with dnc 98 to to not rely on the arm of flesh anymore to put those kind of things out from amongst us and actually build zion it it's this this weird <laughs> random deep dive sorry for taking so long on that but like it is so beautiful that malachi prophecy in its much broader context of of actually what it means or how it looks to turn hearts and turn away from the the arm of flesh like like this chapter is uh talking about trying to bring that awareness to us um i don't know my my brain's just in that mode today and i'm seeing lots of connections but <laughs> it, i mean it, it kind of ties in <laughs> with what we're talking about today well i that's a simple answer to turning your heart. You just have to have a heart in the right place, right? And then God will leaven. And I know sometimes I get overwhelmed by, I just am overwhelmed with homelessness and the problems in the world. I'm overwhelmed with my own family issues, my own, it, it just feels like I just want to go back to bed and just, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know. And I know one book that I loved reading was this Henry Cloud's book on boundaries. And he's, he's quite religious. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but he talks about what do you have? What can you get? And I think sometimes we, we close off because it's overwhelming. How do you solve hunger and how do you solve all these problems? But if we, if we connect to, if we connect to a higher power who can say, this is what you have, you have this. And could you share this? And could you start with one thing? And if we all did that, the world would be a different place. And maybe that overwhelmingness makes us so we don't do anything. And anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And <laughs> because we live in such a crazy world right now, uh, it, it's basically chaos, right? <laughs> we have creation and chaos, these two motifs. And, and like you said, it can get so overwhelming. But what can I actually do? And I think that that's where our covenant relationship with God really helps if we'll let it, right? <laughs> or he'll he'll direct us on, hey, just like you were saying, um, uh, identify this and uh, do this one thing. And if everybody could do that one thing, we could change the, the entire scope of, of all of it. I love that. What was the, um, the name of that uh, book, author, whatever you were mentioning there? ever figure out how to train. <laughs> um it is his name is dr henry cloud and he has he is a he's a christian uh psychologist 
and he's got some really good points and he uses the new testament a lot to support his um anyway i really liked him it's helped me too because i'm i tend to want to overdo and then i get exhausted and it, it's it's really helped me in my life to try to be better about being effective with my what i can do and being okay with my offering i can't solve everything but anyway mm -hmm. So I have a question sort of um, now that we've brought up the Malachi aspect and working with our family histories, which I have just been expanding my concept of what family search, family history work is. It seems like it's so much bigger than what I ever thought about it. I think maybe Cameron's also experiencing that, <laughs> but um, I was wondering, this came to me this week, um, I have been, I've mentioned it in the past, I haven't mentioned it for a long time, but I've been working a lot with fam healing family patterns within my own little world, and um, I was thinking that as I help neutralize patterns that were passed on to me, either through genetics or through behaviors, that that is almost a way of turning our hearts to the fathers and the fathers of the children because we can't be safe without one another. It seems that as I do that work, it feels like that's another dimension of um, healing those lines and helping others both sides of the veil so that whatever those stump family stumbling blocks have been false beliefs traditions just maybe even just incorrect things that as those are corrected you are healing those who will come later because they won't have to partake of those afflictions and weaknesses and um and I feel like it also helps heal those who came before us and they have an opportunity to be liberated as in a way as captives because we are now them manifest in the flesh. So what we are doing here, it feels like to me and anybody that wants to correct them, but it feels like to me that we are affecting people on both sides of the veil because we are now embodied and that it's the things that we can do while we are here embodied that is making a difference on both sides mm -hmm. yeah I, I totally agree it, it's interesting that that paradigm or that concept right that what we do ripples out not just to our communities and nations and, and things in a very mortal or sense I, I guess you would say but that we're we're affecting time and space in in our generations and uh and everything that um that's more of that that video on on kabbalah that i, <laughs> I shared that it, it's it's these bodies are just veils of of a physical reality but branching out that we are a part of something much bigger and um how President Nelson is is 
helping us understand what that means to um, to gather Israel on both sides of the veil is more than just researching names and, and taking them through the temple to get their ordinances. It's actually about healing and 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 turning their hearts um, to each other. Because as we do connect our hearts and plant those seeds, that we are affecting generations. Um, that's one thing that that's kind of come from this study too of uh, the Malachi prophecy is that this is not just a uh, a prophecy for this side of the veil, that both sides, uh, both our mortal experience and our you know, post-mortal world is, is all one. And unless it is linked completely and solidly with its hearts turned to each other, that the, the whole earth will be utterly wasted in its coming. And so this is the, a a dual effort that 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 we're partaking in and it's such a profound uh truth like that you're talking about there and anyway it, it it's fun <laughs> isn't it a fun time to be alive <laughs> also seems like all the more reason for us to really continue right and sanctify and purify so that we can become more transparent that our veil our veil of flesh becomes more transparent mm. so that we commune with the heavens and the other realms so that we are literally helping you know and we're helping but so that we're more able to be in communion with mine and with the other realms of existence that don't seem apparent to us when we look at our physical realities yeah i love it um any other uh kind of things from from this chapter this section or or from our discussion <laughs> my brain's just like going a million different directions right now. i don't know which one to to necessarily focus on but what what additional thoughts do you guys have well this thought about temple work and taking names through i think i've thought of it as just taking names through and I wonder if that's a little bit in vain in that what, what you're saying, Lisa, about healing and connecting, you know, when I'm, I'm like, oh, I checked off someone's temple work versus do I know them? Do I understand? Like we, we found some letters from my great grandpa and we were going through them. And I, I, I feel like, oh, we're just trying to get things done, but I bet that's more of a getting done. Like you're, you're getting to know someone and, and you're you are thinning the veil by really knowing them and healing your family lines and solving problems. I just, I just wonder if there was, a, there's a lot more than this, just, I don't know what the word, I don't want to not say that going to the temple and taking someone's name through is not a worthy action because I believe it is, but I think there might be a lot more to this healing that you're talking about. I really like that. Yeah. What, what do you, I mean, just kind of build on what Jennifer said and Lisa, like, yeah, in, instead of getting, getting um, trapped in that mentality of just, you know, the, the, I'm getting this done. It's kind of a task. It's checking off that name. I don't know. Do you guys have 
things that you do or how do you shift that mentality to more of that I am connecting with this an opportunity to connect with this person finding healing and whatnot like going beyond the this you know oh there we go <laughs> mm-hmm. seems yeah. like you you guys would <laughs> be good at that a thing or two yeah, so I have that that YouTube video. It's one that I, I presented at Roots Tech about distinguishing the voices of our ancestors from from the Holy Ghost and and how to use both in family history work and things. So I kind of allude to a few things in there, but like since I, I recorded that, I, I've went way beyond and, and expanded uh, how to connect with the ancestors. But um, a great first step that I always recommend to people is to um, when you're using ordinances ready, taking a name through the temple kind of a thing. If you uh, don't personally know that person, um, to, to really go through all of their sources and attach any additional sources, get to know that person so that you can, uh, you know, that timeline, you know, everywhere that they were and their relationships that they had, mm-hmm. if they possibly have any stories to, to really connect with them and, and learn to um, to do it. But as we sacrifice our own will and and time to get to know that person we can we can tune our ears to their actual voice on the other side of the veil and uh what i like to do is take that that card that temple card or whatever and on the back of it write everything that i've discovered about them and so that when i am going through the temple acting as a proxy for them that i can hear them i am them i i become them and I turn my heart to them through sacrifice in order to to really um have that that connection because the ordinances are are great they're essential right but if, if we're just a checkbox mentality then it I mean it it's okay but <laughs> uh, how do I uh, put that into a, a different uh, analogy something just popped in my head but um where I mean, yes, it, it's awesome if you go and, and serve your neighbor and then somebody goes, okay, check and off to the next house kind of a thing. Whereas, oh, I thought you actually were caring about me and, and loving me kind of a thing. Um, uh, what they must experience on the other side of the veil as they are receiving their ordinances through proxy. Oh, well, they're just here doing a checkbox. Like, it's great. I'm glad I got my my baptism done today, but <laughs> I wasn't. I was just another number to them. Uh, rather than they know me, they they connected with me, and you can have that that special experience and, and connection with them. But but that comes through a lot of sacrifice. That that takes time, right? <laughs> That's uh, sometimes a hard commodity to to come by in in these days. But That's beautiful. And oh. thank you so much for sharing that. I want to add a dimension that I have found very helpful, and that's listening to my dreams. My dreams have been giving me, it's the way I visualize it is that <clears throat> night it's like the ocean. And when I wake up morning, if I have right in that liminal place, just before you're fully awake, I write down whatever I remember. Sometimes it's a whole dream, sometimes it's more than one. And the way I envision it is it's like the ocean that leaves gifts along the shore of beautiful shells and treasure. 
and I reach for that treasure and I write it down and I have been getting so many promptings and I have had so many healings occurring. Um, I know that it has been leading me to miracles in my life to tune in and to listen in the morning when I wake up. Yeah, I love that. Like another aspect that, um, uh, that you're referring to there that I found is very true and applicable is that healing. Okay. So I'm going to like say it in its absolute, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, there's, uh, different ways to take this, but, but healing requires a body. And so a, a proxy healing in, in words, right. Um, that like forgiveness, for example, if your family struggles with forgiveness and it always has, and, and people have died angsty <laughs> toward their, their family members, that as we learn to forgive, we can kind of release some of that, not only for ourselves, but through our family lines. And, and like what Lisa's saying there with dreams and, and works, often those, those emotions and those, um, those relationships that need healed on the other side of the veil will come in those, those moments. Um, dreams are so important. <laughs> Don't even get me started. <laughs> Y'all know where, where I stand on dreams, but um, uh, like, like Lisa's saying there, that it, that's a beautiful way to put it, that it's just like the, the waves and, and leaving gifts of um, potential opportunities for, for healing along the, the shoreline there in, in those uh, liminal moments of, 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 sleep and, and consciousness. I, I love the way that you, you said that. Another thing about dreams, if anybody feels that that could be one of their spiritual gifts or something that they want to cultivate, besides having writing materials beside the bed, um, it's, um, you can ask a question before you go to sleep at night and maybe write it down and keep it right there next to you and um my dreams have been definitely been family related healing dreams lately and they have helped me to take steps in my life to heal the family lines literally this last this month and the person that i was prompted to reach out to responded um in such an interesting way because my heart because it was a wholehearted evolution that i went through with the lord and then the dream it's it was just so fascinating it started with the relief society lesson on from president nelson and then and it was a sunday night and i looked at my i never do social media but there's one person i'm always concerned about that will communicate with me on a sunday through messenger so i just pulled up the screen to see if i'd heard from her didn't scroll, but the one image in front of me was a cousin. Oh, nice picture. Didn't think anything about the lesson. It was a nice repetition. Saw the picture, went to bed, had this huge dream. And the dream told me I had all the gifts that were required for this journey that it was showing me to undertake. So I realized I need to reach out to this cousin. 
And I did, and in the process, my heart was purified. But, she, no, but her reaction was, I'm so important. I practically live with Nancy Pelosi. You don't belong in my world anymore. And you people who think you are Christians. And that's how she responded. But because my heart was in a pure place, it was purified. And who knows if the seed of love that I offered her and planted, who knows what will happen. But it was just such an interesting progression of President Nelson's words, which I had heard and heard and heard again and thought I'd already done. And seeing the image, having the dream, taking the steps, experiencing the miracle in my life, because in the process, my I didn't know that my heart needed to be purified, but it did. Because I didn't remember until I went through this process that I had felt anger at her. And I did not want to have that in my heart, and the Lord didn't want it there either. I wouldn't have been on this journey. But I was able to purify that. And so I can't, I have this many journals of dreams. And sometimes I draw them because if I draw a dream, I put it up, I can look at it, and the meaning can distill upon me. Sometimes I'll sculpt it, um, an image from it. And what I have found is that dreams are like scriptures. You can continue to mine the meaning from them, even decades later, the, the big dreams that are really curated for you personally, you can continue to draw meaning from. So I just, you know, if you feel like that's something you want to cultivate it, I just think it is just a great gift. Sorry, I just kind of went on and on. No, it's good. Yeah, like, I think that this is kind of the, the whole process of, um, like, this arm of the flesh and uh, purely relying on the Lord and, and turning over all of our uh, self-reliance type of mentality to let's let God fix it. He knows how to fix everything. Right. <laughs> and so, um, uh, like, like dreams and, uh, working with our ancestors, turning hearts, um, healing that which needs healed. Uh, there's so many important points that, um, that is the antithesis of this, this chapter here that we're talking about today, the, the arm of flesh and getting rid of that mentality in our lives. I think that we have all of the tools before us. We just have to learn how to use them, how to build Zion with that and, and how to, to purely rely on our Lord to save us and, and provide and protect and, and guide. Love that. Was there one sentence in here that particularly struck me? It's in the next to the last chapter on 48. Isaiah, therefore, reduces every kind of dependence on things human to a covenant with death. Yeah. That's pretty strong. <laughs> Who wants a covenant with death of all things? <laughs> yeah. We want to choose life. <laughs> it's a very powerful metaphor, you know, Lord and Savior is, he is life. Mm -hmm. He is our life. Yes. 
Well, that, that stood out to me too, Stephen, and it, it really made me pause and think about, you know, because because we hear that phrase covenant with death and we think it's this one big, you know, in last day's prophecy, oh, the covenant with death and whatnot. But, but yeah, like, I love that point of like looking at everything in my own life and Anytime it is turning to the arm of flesh over God, how that is the covenant with death. And anyways, that, yeah, that really hit me then like, okay, that's definitely something for me to look at and observe and watch for, you know, yep. in my own self. Yeah, it's huge. Mm. Yeah. I think it, that phrase at the end of that verse, just the taking refuge in deception and hiding behind falsehoods, again, just how often we, just all this is constantly that reminder of like, where am I doing these things without even realizing, you know, and there's an opportunity to really uh, have God teach us and open our eyes. Um, yeah, because it's just in everything, like the, how we don't even think about because we're just so used to it or so familiar. So we don't think to question. Mm -hmm. And I think of, uh, I don't know, just, I don't know, I'm going to say the C word, but like during COVID, <laughs> that was really eye opening, like the you know, kind of like how earlier, I just forgot where it was, instead of, was it that last chapter? Uh, I can't remember, but um, just that, uh, oh shoot, I wish I could find where he said it, because it was really well said, but um, instead of, uh, instead, you know, this happens, to you know the the covid comes onto the scene and instead of inviting us to looking at ourselves and like why is this happening right maybe what do we need to repent of or what what's going on it's um we turn to obviously we, there was so much turning to the arm of flesh and um yeah just again that that not even thinking about um that whole whole process anyways mm -hmm. uh i just that just came to my mind and and even myself like i i you know i i look at it you know i could see that and it was really it was educational for me you know to because i was kind of correlated with as i was starting into isaiah um you know like oh my goodness this is so this is happening just right now, right here, you know, so obvious, like mm -hmm. God is inviting his people to repent, you know, and, and so there's that aspect of it, but, but, you know, well, I, I saw certain things that to me look like people running to the arms of the flesh. Now, looking back, I could see, I was doing the same thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to save myself with, all my supplements and you know and whatever but I don't know it just can be so tricky to really okay 
stop and just show me God, you know, where, show me everything that I need to work on. But yeah. Yeah. I love that, that, that mindfulness, like getting off of autopilot and um, the, the Lord is at I kind of concept, right? Uh, cause we can easily see it in, in everyone else, but sometimes, uh, it comes down to going, oh, oh, what do I need to repent of? Because I'm, I'm part of this whole thing too. Uh, and, uh, I need to be 11 in the loaf rather than just some autopilot creature, uh, <laughs> running frantically from all of the, the different chaos that that's around. I love that principle. Yeah. And accusing everybody else of, relying on the arm of flesh, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and not seeing the need to repent. But yeah, I was like, Oh, my gosh, I see it. And I'm still doing it in, in these, these ways. Eek. Yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. Like I tell you, this is like one of the hardest books to read, because man, it just shows you how Babylonian I am <laughs> and, and rooting it out and being self-aware and, and knowing that um, there, there's always something to repent of until we get to Zion and, and everything. So yeah, it, it's an interesting journey, isn't it? But yeah. Any other final comments or, or thoughts or anything before we head out? If not, we will pick up on we're on Zoom for, for next week, right? We don't have any interruptions. Yeah, should we do combine those two since that last one's so short? Mm -hmm. um, let's see. So elitism and then pollution of the temple. Ooh, pollution of the temple. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we need a whole one on that. <laughs> I don't know. Let's let's read both of them, um, and then we'll start with our discussion on thirteen. And if we get to fourteen and actually discuss it, we will. But if it needs another week, we'll we'll allow it. But but yeah, let's 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 read both thirteen and fourteen for next week. I know I'm just chomping at the bit to get to dreams and visions, <laughs> especially after what you and Lisa were just talking about. <laughs> I need that. <laughs> yeah. I need all of it though. So this is good for me too. I know some of it is just getting together and just like hashing things out, whatever the topic is, but just, just meeting and uh, talking through things. But, but yeah. It's like, um, it's so easy to go get overwhelmed, you know, it's like, it, because it's all so big and everything, but we have the, the, we know what we're supposed to be doing. We're, our prophet is telling us, President Nelson, and and gathering from both sides of the veil and everything. And I I just keep going back to Isaiah decoded because that was life changing for me. And the levels on the ladder, and and there is a level that's some sort of level that where we can be more for our ancestors than we realize we can actually be proxy saviors and and heal them from this side of the veil and we have help doing it um with our with 
with Christ. And so anyway, uh, we have all the answers here. It's just remembering to boil it down and and staying focused on that. What we we do already know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I'll send out an email to, to remind us or whatever. But um, anyway, so read 13 and 14 for next week. Um, and, and we'll try to get to 14 in uh, the discussion, but we'll take it kind of how it comes and where it goes. But anyway, super fun discussion. Loved every minute of it. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. Have a Thank great you. Bye. Bye. Bye.